0: this is continuum drag a weekly podcast for visiting television sci-fi fantasy and everything in between this week nick fury agent of shield
1: we need you back Maybe I've gotten used to the wilderness. And maybe you're full of it. Hydra's back in the game now. That's impossible! Von Strucker's dead. I killed him myself. Yesterday, Hydra stormed Trinity base.
0: They stole Von Strucker's body, and they killed Clay in the process. Damn. I'm sorry about Clay, Nick, but it looks like Hydra's trying to send you a message.
1: looks like i heard
0: it welcome to continuum drag the podcast suffering from mcu multiverse madness i'm luke here with my co-host jordan what's
1: real jordan
2: let us rock and let us roll
1: (laughs) the classic shield uh, shield uh saying
2: is that their classic thing
1: i no i don't think so (laughs) but the moment i heard that first thought i was like it's the classic line
2: hey let me ask you though that guy who delivered that line Is he the worst actor in the history of cinema?
1: Um, I don't think he's David Hasselhoff. I think the other guy was David Hasselhoff.
2: (laughs) Oh,
0: David Hasselhoff is much better than that guy.
1: Yeah, that's true. He's got a certain charm. Now
0: now that we're way off track from the start, (laughs) I like it. It's going well. Jordan, I want to bring back a segment I tried to create years ago that got edited out um, called uh, What's Real? (laughs) No, I do the What's Real. No, I was just going to say I, w- I, w- I w- have a recommendation for our listeners. Oh, okay. I watched I watched a great little Japanese science fiction movie the other day and I think I think our listeners would enjoy it. Go for it. What is it? It's called Beyond the Infinite 2 Minutes. Mhm. And uh it's about a, a cafe owner who uh he lives above his shop and one day he goes up to his apartment and he looks into the monitor in his room that looks into the monitor in his cafe. And uh, he sees himself because his monitor now is two minutes in the future. So he uh, can see two minutes in the future only into this one monitor in his cafe. And it's a 70-minute little science fiction comedy. Great stuff. Great stuff. Mm. I think our listeners would love it. I watched it. I'm like, so much better than Nick Fury. I can't believe I uh, watched Nick Fury for more, more time And what's, wh- what's the name of this thing again? Then? Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. There you go. It's a great little pseudo one take. A lot of fun.
2: I recommend uh, Naked Gun Two and a Half. Remember that movie? That was funny.
0: Why is that science fiction again? It's not. <laughs> it was just fun. I remember laughing at that time. You love O.J. in that one particularly. Yeah, he's really good. He's a star. You keep saying he's a star. <laughs> Bring him back.
1: I was going to say, you got to love a title that gives you the runtime. It's like, this film will be beyond the infinite two minutes. So you know what to expect when you're watching it.
0: Yeah, more than two minutes for sure. <laughs> no end. No end to that two minutes potentially, but like <laughs> definitely more than two minutes. Yeah. All right. Well, we've we've made him talk without introducing him for far too long. My bad. We we have a guest returning this week. Cave welcome
1: back to the program. Thanks for having me. Well, when were you here last? Uh, last time I was on, we, we went we went ape, and we watched a couple episodes from the Planet of the Apes uh, TV series. Oh right, I'm right. That's trainer. right.
0: That's right. Your two year ban is concluded, so you're back on the show. Yeah, but you sound much sicker now.
1: Yes, I have a, a, a non COVID related <laughs> cold, so uh, I'm happy to come on here on Zoom and share my. We did
0: we did promise your agents we wouldn't bring it up, but
1: it's happening. There we go, another two year ban starting today.
0: <laughs> what, was it two years ago that we did Planet of the Apes? Yeah, pretty almost almost to the day two years wow. ago. Wow, it doesn't seem that long ago. Was it? It was. It was. It was pre-pandemic,
1: my friend. We used to get together in
0: person, hang out, mm.
1: rub lotion on each other's bodies.
0: Yeah, that was before and after.
1: That wasn't for the podcast. though. No, nope. that was for my podcast, <laughs> "An Ocean of Lotion," starring Kavi Muhave, nice. starring, <laughs> hosted by and starring. It's usually it's more of a one-man podcast, and I don't record it. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a podcast. <laughs> Listen, what I do in my own time. When I'm recovering from my cold, that is not COVID. is my business, and no one else's. <laughs> well, this week, we are
0: watching the 1998 TV movie. Um, what did I write here? Nick Who Fury. Knows? Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, no, I wrote something else, but I cannot read it now. Uh, it is, yes, it is Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, a, a special program uh, requested exactly by Cave. Cave, you you asked for this because you are a Marvel super fan. You are a resident Marvel super super fan, am yeah. I correct?
1: I'm a, yeah, yeah, Mar- uh, resident Marvel super fan. Also worth mentioning that this is a TV movie and also Back to Our Pilot because they were trying to like milk this for all it's worth. And they're like, hey, if it doesn't work as a movie, we can set this up as three episodes, first three episodes. I
2: never saw this initially when it was. What did you say, nineteen ninety eight, Luke? Yes, correct. When it was out, nineteen ninety eight. But I remember it being heavily, heavily promoted and on TV. A lot. Like I remember whatever channel it aired on. I remember it airing over and over, and I would keep catching snippets of it, and I would laugh about how bad it was. And I was like,
1: "Who would ever watch this?" I had a weird. For me, I I never remember seeing it on TV, but I remember seeing the VHS at Blockbuster. Mm. And I like when I looked, like just preparing for this, I like I was shocked to realize it was '98 because I remember it feeling a lot older, like '93, '94 ish. Because '98 is around the time like X Men was being, you know, like the Marvel like marvel was doing the movie thing slowly like 99 was x-men i think so it's weird to see how dated this feels compared to it feels like it's from like 1988 that's the level of
0: writing and uh, production value yeah
2: it's the production value it's everything looks a little bit cheaper than it should you know
0: the the entire script is just like they were trying to knock off like commando or something
1: (laughs) did you notice who wrote it yeah i've got that right here written by david s goyer what a hack (laughs) not the worst thing he's credited with writing this Um, is the
0: fourth David S. Guero we've watched is that right what are the other three we watched Sleepwalkers yeah we watched Freaky Links oh yeah yeah and he wrote an episode of Threshold as well oh wow he's uh he's quite prolific if
1: not like the more I watch of his stuff I'm like is he he's not particularly good is he (laughs) He really got people, like, swayed away from what he is as a writer with the Dark Knight credit, you know, like, he he was credited with a large part of that script, like, I mean, I think he's the, him and Christopher Nolan are, like, the writers of that script, Mm -hmm. the only two writers, and... Man, like that that gave him a lot of bang.
0: I think from what I can remember of watching his stuff, it does feel like he at some point managed to somehow make himself the comic book guy in Hollywood, so you yeah. couldn't make a comic movie without having him at least partly credited, and I'm sure it was because he knew the lore. So you'd bring him in to make sure you were on side with the lore, but yeah. I would assume that you he didn't do much writing other than
1: yeah, I mean, I also but right before the, he did Blade too, right? Didn't yeah. do did the original. and yeah. that's before this. This and
0: I remember watching Dark City, and as a child, I quite liked it. So maybe that <laughs> was good. I don't know.
1: Yeah, prolific career of David S. Goyer. Wow. You can't,
0: you can't, you can't keep a mediocre man down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, this premiered uh, May twenty sixth, nineteen ninety eight, on Fox. Um, and Jordan, do you want to guess what two other shows were on around the time this was on TV that we've watched previously for the podcast? 1998. I would have said, uh, what was that other D- David Goyer thing? Sleepwalkers. Okay. I would say sleepwalkers. I would say. Well, you're completely correct about that. Sleep Sleepwalkers' last episode aired five days after Nick Fury, so right. two two bad shows dying in the same week wow. for him. And was there there was a movie as well? There was no another series started two weeks after this. Another series
2: started two weeks. 1998. It wouldn't have been ultraviolet. That would have been too old, too new, I think. 1998.
0: You'll never guess it. I'm sure you've forgotten we ever watched this. I'm going to say, I don't know what we watched in the late 90s. Oh, I don't know. Freaky Links. Invasion America. Oh, I wouldn't remember that. Yeah, Invasion of You've completely blocked that Steven Spielberg animated show out of your mind. Yeah, yeah. That's right. He had a um a, a special glove, the character,
2: that, that like chopped wood. Jordan, Yosh. <laughs> that's right.
0: Oh, you remember so much better than me. <laughs> that was the lead character's popular catchphrase, Yosh. Yosh. Oh, that's why you have that tattooed on your
2: back. That's right. I yeah, never yeah, understood yeah. why that was. When you saw that, that day we were uh, rubbing cream on each other. <laughs>
1: it was an ocean of ocean
0: <laughs> all right well let's get into it here is the imdb summary for nick fury agent of steel agent nick fury is asked to fight the menace of hydra after exiling himself to the yukon since the end of the cold war
2: that's the beginning it doesn't really tell you anything about the plot but it gets you going i guess
1: it's at the same time like a very brief synopsis and yet it encapsulates everything that happens in the hour and a half that
0: truly you don't need any more information in some way yeah <laughs>
1: But it begins with a a classic uh,
0: Marvel baddie, the Hydra, uh, springing a heist of a cryogenically frozen body, the body of Baron Wolfgang von Strucker um, Mm -hmm. from a S.H.I.E.L.D. facility where I guess he's being held. um... So am I wrong? In in the Marvel universe, doesn't Baron Wolfgang von Strucker later change his name to Odd Future? Well, I
1: don't remember that at all. This is a hip hop
0: joke, so sorry, everybody. (laughs) Nobody, no response to the hip hop joke. I apologize. No. But what's explain the joke? <laughs> and then uh, do, you the, do you know the hip hop group Odd Future? I do not. They they are their full name is Odd Future Wolfgang Kill Them All. Uh, they now they just go by Odd Future. And I when I uh, don't when worry, I Wolfgang, Luke, that's all I thought. People listening at home are laughing and laughing. <laughs> the They've listeners had to pause. At home love Tyler the Creator. They can't get enough Tyler the Creator. Well, is he in Odd Future? Yes, yes, he is he is in Odd Future. I like it. I like it. Go. Good. Anyway, yes, it's they're breaking this Baron's body out of a cryogenic lab, and um, it's uh, pretty—it's pretty stock for this kind of thing. Bad guys break in with the help of an inside man who's like working for Shield to help them like get this body out. But my favorite part of this entire sequence is there's this guy Clay Quarterman who shows up in the middle of the like inside man like setting up like hacking the system or whatever he's doing, and he is the most annoying coworker you've ever worked with. Is he walks in, he's just like, prof- just shouting profoundness that he thinks is, he's like, he walks in, this guy's like on a computer and he stands next to him like one foot from his face and says, ours is not to reason why, but ours is to do and die. Right, buddy? Isn't this a great job we've got, buddy? And he's like in his face. And I was so happy when the uh, when the guy shot him in the stomach. I'm like, uh if I could shoot every annoying coworker in the stomach, I'd be so happy.
1: <laughs> well, and if I may, like the one thing funny about that is he doesn't even get that little witticism out. He he's shot before he he's like ours is not to reason why ours is to and then bang mid sentence. I don't think the guy lets him finish that.
0: I good. He was he was the most like that man walked in and like got so close to his face to just have like coworker chit chat. I was so mad at Clay Ma- Wa- Quartermain. I was so happy when he got shot. I hated that character. Hey, I got a question though.
2: This uh, this uh, this frozen guy, Baron von Hitler, or whatever his name is, why are they keeping his body? He's dead. Why don't they just, like, what's, what is the point of even having all this security and all this stuff around this frozen body?
0: Shield's a real collector. <laughs> Loves to collect things. Every bad guy they kill, they keep him on ice just so they can go look at it, think about the time they killed him. You know, it's perfectly normal, reasonable stuff for a hero to do.
1: My first thoughts were there's going to be a Captain America reference because he's famously kept under ice for 50 years. Uh, well, he's frozen until they find his body. And I was like, oh, cool. Are they, like, showing Captain America? <laughs> so, S.H.I.E.L.D. Shield's
0: just like a, a boomer who's really into World War II. And he collects both a, li- a little bit of ally stuff, a little bit of Nazi stuff. He gets a little piece of everything, a little bit of memorabilia. But, but anyways, the
2: point of this is that this is sort of the important thing of this movie is this body is important is what we're going to lose this frozen body is very important to hydra and this is the beginning of them needing to get this body for whatever reason. yeah yeah
1: yeah it's the frozen mcguffin mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's the mcguffin they they steal it good uh somehow clay Quartermain does not die from his stomach wound but la- Lives long enough to stand up, grab his gun and shout that line from the beginning. let us rock and let us roll as if it is also like some profound Shakespeare line. And I'm like, mm-hmm. please let this man die soon it's just It's one of those things where you know Goyer
2: or maybe he didn't write it. maybe a studio said you had to have this line. Someone thought this is the best line it's so cool it's the uh i'll be back sort of line, and it Here's just it, it just
0: is not good there's so many truly awful lines in this that i'm just like there's no way not one of these is goyer's a goyer original you're probably right you're probably right um but thankfully or not i don't know really what clay this clay character also has cameras in his eyes or whatever so he's able to like record the people who are stealing the baron and uh, shield can later watch it he's so he's got the camera in his eye where's the microphone do you think in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> In his mouth,
2: where it's where tongue Cause, is. Because, yeah, because what you're what you're alluding to, Luke, is later we see actual footage from this guy's perspective because we get this uh, villain waterman. What's her name? Her uh, name's Andrea von Strucker, a.k.a. That's right. Viper. That's right. And she basically uh, – does she
0: know that this guy has a camera? Because it seems like she does because she, she apparently, like, apparently, it's well-known that S.H.I.E.L.D. agents
1: just walk around uh, mic'd all the time. <laughs> Yeah, camera in the eye, microphone in the mouth. And
2: she basically, like, mocks them is what she's doing. She's like, you'll never catch me. I'm too cool.
1: Uh, is Viper a Marvel villain cover? Yeah, I think her name is something else in the comics, if I remember correctly. But, uh, yeah, the Von Struckers are instrumental. Do you remember them in the MCU movies? <laughs> uh, no, Strucker I was, was hoping
0: you could explain to me anything where I might actually know them from.
1: Von Strucker in the movies is a guy experimenting on... Um, on uh, um... Who are the twins that one this, Elizabeth Olsen plays one of them and then the other like – I'm blanking on their name. Oh, right
0: yeah. There. what's uh, Generic-y, McGeneric, that, yeah. that guy.
1: Yeah. He, he, they're the ones experimenting on the stones on the two uh, – uh, Scarlet Witch and the other one. He, he's wearing a monocle in most of the MCU movies.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, is he? I, I don't I, – he, he doesn't stand out in my mind, but he is there, right? That's good. A monocle is a real sign that you're a villain, huh? Oh, always. Also, Jordan, you forgot to mention. Uh, not only is Andrea von Strucker robbing the place, also her brother, sort of there, Werner. Oh, yeah, and he's and he uh,
2: looks like I don't know, like he's a uh, reject uh, villain from Die Hard.
1: Oh, totally. He's got Die Hard vibes all over him. Mm-hmm. I like that he's
0: barely a character in this, and his introduction really establishes that because they freeze frame on Andrea on Andrea's face. They're like, she's the bad guy. And then, like, they do one of those enhancements and push over her shoulder and, like, have a really grainy photo of someone in the background, like, oh, and there's there's her brother or something. He's also there.
1: That's about as much screen time as you'll get. I think it was the actor's, like, headshot that they use in that image, too. It's just like, (laughs) there he is.
2: What's the, uh, what's the, the, these evil, this evil organization called again? Hydra? Hydra. It does seem like there's a real problem with nepotism, though, right? Because uh, Baron von Hitler guy, he's in charge, and then his daughter is in charge with her brother. Give me a break.
1: Well, I find it funny, too, that, like, they're assuming that, like, Hydra's dead and gone. And, you know, at one point, they have killed like, we've killed von Strucker, so Hydra's no longer a threat. and And obviously, his two children are taking his place. And at no point does anyone say the line... With Hydra, you cut off the head; two more will take its place. <laughs> mm. it, it, it never dawns on them that this organization is called Hydra. It's known for like replicating. David
0: S. Goyer, he's not steeped in uh, mythical things. He's only steeped in comic books. <laughs> exactly. And it's what's funny too is that there'll later be a teleconference with all the lieutenants of Hydra who are still alive and working. <laughs> yeah, I think Shield has really dropped the ball on the whole Hydra situation. The point though is because they really
2: just need it to be the story point, which is. Nick Fury is sort of your old loose cannon, play by his own rules kind of guy who's been retired or shelved off because they want to do things in a new way and he's sort of too old school. But I guess implying that his last mission, they had beaten this, this uh, frozen dead guy and now he's been put out to pasture because Hydra's defeated and they are worrying about other problems. And that's kind of gets us into the movie where we now have to go find old cigar chomping hassle yeah. yeah,
0: well you gotta bring him back because as Nick dies he says into his own microphone Nick take care of her that's right and you're left to wonder it's like does he have a family does he have a daughter that Nick needs to come take care of and the answer is, no, he's referring to an ex-girlfriend that both he and uh, both he and Nick share, who is a grown woman and a perfectly capable person who <laughs> does not need to be protected by Nick Fury. But his dying words are, Nick, protect a woman we both, like, dated but hates us now.
1: Yeah, and it just seems that, like, David Hasselhoff in this is qu- quite capable, but he's not, like, especially better than anyone else on S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, he's just about as capable as the rest of them, too.
2: That is actually a good point, because... I- I kind of thought the same thing that like, yes, you can't kind of bring him in. He's kind of like, he's the badass or whatever, but it's not like he's doing things they can't believe. He just like joins the team and kind of takes charge, but the, there's nothing special about him.
0: Yeah. He's yeah. the real David S. Goyer of the series. Cause he's a real <laughs> mediocre guy who everyone really looks up to for some reason. <laughs>
1: yeah
0: But yes, they, they go to get Nick. He's, he's in like, I guess it's the Yukon. He's been living in a mine shaft for five years or something. <laughs>
1: With a painted sign outside that said, you better have a damn good reason for knocking on this door. Did you notice the sign? <laughs> That's yeah. like such a old Clint Eastwood or something. It was just, yeah, hand painted as if he's sitting there like in his off hours being like, this, this, this sign will be God, really Guys, sorry to
2: keep this doing this, attention. but in world, in this universe, what is he doing in the mine? Because we actually see him working in the mine. He has a pickaxe and he's picking at the wall. Is he mining? Is that what he's doing with his life? Or is he renovating?
1: He's just mining. He's mining his own business.
2: <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. You could have written this thing.
0: You could have. You could have written this I really thing. should have. <laughs> so, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D., of course, sends in some agents to go get him to bring him out. One of them is this, like, British guy who I don't yeah. even know his name. And it was like. Alexander Pierce. I, like, a non-character if I've ever seen one.
1: Well, in, in so in the MCU, he's played by Robert Redford, if you remember the Winter Soldier. The Robert Wait, that guy th- that guy who did nothing all episode but was there is also Robert Redford in the movies he in in the movies he's Robert Redford who like turned coats into a villain. but in, in neither the comics nor the movies is he a British guy. They just kind of Britished him up for the sh- for this new yeah pilot? He's supposed to, he's like the
0: new guy who like just
1: got out of school and he's like top of his class
0: i think yeah. I think the choice
2: of casting was to juxtapose against Hasselhoff and sort of like he's so sort of rough and ready and this guy is kind of a little bit prim and proper and they're like, how do you make him more prim and proper? What if he likes tea, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, he likes tea and like David Hasselhoff's the American tough guy who's yeah. mining his own business in the cave, <laughs> and these two are going to have a nice... Honestly,
2: this movie should have been
0: called Nick Fury, Mining His Own Business. <laughs> yeah. um, and with him they send that ex-girlfriend that he and Clay used to date, Contessa Valentina Delegra. Fortane, What a name.
1: You know, it just occurs to me that that might actually be Lady Hydra who turns into a bad guy, too. But if there's someone who knows their Marvel knowledge better than I am listening to this right now, they're probably...
0: Here's the only thing I know about that character, and only because it's a headline. uh, In the Marvel Universe, isn't she played by Julia Louise dreyfus (laughs)
1: Right, that is. That's exactly it. So that, that is Lady Hydra. Yeah, she's a villain in the in the uh, comics. I mean,
0: real step up. I mean, no offense to this actress. She did her best, but there was not a lot to work with. But I mean, Julie Louise Dreyfus would have been very different in this role. She was cast, uh, it's Lisa Renna, the actress. She was cast because she can fit into those
2: leather pants. That's why she was Ab- cast. Absolutely. But, but what's weird about it, and I know it's like maybe that thing, maybe it was just handled clumsier back then, that like, oh, we need to give her the whole name for the fans. But in this movie, if you're just watching this, do you need to know her name is Contessa Valentina del Allegro Fontaine? Why don't they just go, no. hey, Val? Because they just call her Val for the rest of the movie. It's like, you don't, there's no I, reason for it. And they had, like, it's just done, like, she literally shows up and Hasselhoff goes, if it isn't Contessa Valentina del Allegro Fontaine. And I'm like, what? Why would anyone say that?
1: This, this film and the script really enjoys referencing the characters in name only so there's a lot of like name drops here for the comic fans but in no way do they resemble the, the personality the, the the physicality it's just like name drop well that's probably name why drop. they
2: do it right because exactly. if you do know the character you're like wait a minute that british guy who's drinking a
0: cup of tea that's not what he looks like exactly or well i think you're, like... and, and jordan to your point the first thing nick fury does when he sees her is say her full name and the second thing he does is sh- slut shame her i believe by calling her an expert at sex sex that's right which a uh, incredibly rude way to uh, meet someone you know, but it doesn't matter because because British guy can't
2: convince him to join, uh, come back and join Shield. She says the same thing like, "Come on," and then he's like, "All right." He takes a cigar and chomps it a little bit, and he's like, "I guess I can mine your business too," or something like that. <laughs>
1: There was a great line about, uh, looks like I just trying to send you a message, and then his response is, looks like I heard it. And then he <laughs> chomps his cigar and walks out of the seat, and I was like, bravo. That's great, though, bravo. because that, that's the
2: level of the script. It's stuff like that where you're like, wait a minute, was that, was that funny? I, I
0: don't—was he telling us something? Was it funny? Was it clever? Was it charming? Am I impressed by him? I really want to quickly—and I know, Jordan, you will be the least interested in this, but I'm going to do it anyway— I really need to talk about this love triangle between the Contessa, Clay, and uh, Nick Fury because it's a huge subplot of this. You need to talk about it? I'm obsessed with it because it's so annoying to me. But the, the best I can tell is there's this like ancient history between them. And this is what I was able to figure out so far is the three of them were all stationed in Berlin during the Cold War. And somehow during that period of time, Nick and the Contessa started either dating or hooking up or something. But apparently, while they were doing that, Nick was also just, like, fooling around with lots of other women. So the Contessa left him and then hooked up with Clay. So the three of them are—this is a real tight love triangle there. And Fury was so mad that she was sleeping with Clay, he essentially blamed her entirely for ruining the relationship. Had no—had no— Problem with clay sleeping with her he's like this is all your fault contessa and then she says that her time in berlin with them was awful because they treated it like a boys club where they excluded her perpetually and so nick nick fury just seems like a monster every part of this relationship that's explained to me is just like nick fury is the one of the worst human beings who's ever walked the earth
1: that that's way more detailed than i remember but what what dawned on me was he was mad at her for cheating on him and her response is but you cheated on me first all and the time like, all the time
0: like, and like oh, his friend his best friend was the one she cheated on with does not blame the best friend at all he's like well that's okay he was just getting a little piece and i get that but this woman i'm like i hate you nick fury i hate La-Luke, you so much
2: this is something we've seen and weirdly it's a theme through our many shows and tv movies we've seen uh, over the last few years is that this is almost a 1970s protagonist where it you meet him, he's supposed to be cool, and so you as a viewer just immediately supposed to like him and be on his side, because he is an archetype of a certain amount of uh, male masculinity. But because the character is so poorly uh, written, or thinly written, and then also, as you're saying, it kind of given these gross characteristics, where we you're watching, you're like, well, I don't like him at all. But it's like, the script just goes, well, you will like him. You will like him, because... He's cool, right? And it's like, I don't know if he's earned it at all.
1: But he smokes a cigar where he's not supposed to smoke a cigar. And he got an
0: eye patch on his face.
1: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) on his face.
0: And he wears a leather jacket. (laughs) Yes, Nick Fury is our
2: classic, most toxic hero of all time. Can we say, though, let's stop real quick. How did we all feel about David Hasselhoff? I don't think we've mentioned it. That's the He's David Hasselhoff as Nick Fury.
0: How do we feel about it? I'll start. I actually think he did a great job.
1: (laughs) I, I, I think he... I think he tried his best. I don't think the physicality was there the way they'd hoped. The fight scenes were stiff, yeah. to say yeah, the least. Yeah,
0: that's. I think that's on the show more than him. I, I here's the thing: it's a badly written character, and his whole thing is just to like spout one liners and be like a fake badass. And I will say, David Hasselhoff is far more committed than that. You, he has any right to be.
2: I would agree, but I don't. I don't think he's as good, maybe as Luke. You feel, however, I do think he's committed, and I think he is delivering a slight level of tongue-in-cheek cheese, that he kind of gets what this movie is. The difference is I don't think most of the actors are doing the same sort of thing. So he's kind of like chewing the scenery in this weird, like, kind of over-the-top character. But it's a little bit anachronistic for the rest of the movie, which I think is trying to be as serious as possible. I I would disagree. I think the woman uh, who playing the villain, she also kind of gets the cartoony aspect of what this movie is.
1: He, here's one of my biggest concerns with the way he's written. It, it, it seems like from the get-go, he's really sarcastic too, which I don't know if that was necessarily like Nick Fury's thing, but they really, really want to go for that Han Solo vibe. Did you not yes. also get an attempt at a 100%. Han Solo vibe? Oh, yes. And and it's like when you miss the mark of trying to write the Han Solo tone and it like it fails even just by a few inches, it's really noted. Like it, It's like the reason Harrison Ford does does the Han Solo thing so well is he's got the charm and he's got the wit yeah. and he's, he's so cool, you know, but but like when you're lacking just a few of those things, that Han Solo thing just doesn't work and I feel it becomes glaring. So it's, it's it, he's definitely committed to it. Like he's tr- giving it his all, but I just felt like that missed the mark a bit in terms of that charm and the wit that they were tr- trying to go for. Oh, there. I mean, there,
0: it's not in the script, so there's nothing for him to pull from for it, for sure. But yeah, I don't know. I Obviously, he's still David Hasselhoff. You're going to get... If you like David Hasselhoff, you're getting full David Hasselhoff. Yeah, totally. At any rate, they recruit him. This is where I was kind of like, I didn't realize these things were Marvel specific. Like, I thought they were just part of the MCU. But they get on one of those exact hover jets from the movie from the MCU movies, and then they go to the same like flying like aircraft carrier from the movies. And I was just like, wait, wait, wait. Are these not just created for the movies? These are normal. These are part of this. This is part of Marvel normally.
1: Telecarriers, yeah, they—they're in the movie. They're in the movies too, like the MCU movies. They were. They're like they have a cloaking device. There's pretty much an entire. Crap, uh, I guess I didn't crap.
0: realize those were also in the comics. I thought those totally. were just from the movies because I was just like, they look identical. They look identical to the ones in the
1: movie. Yeah, <laughs> but, no, it's it's part of it.
0: But when they come to
2: this uh, uh, Bespin Cloud City that they're uh, that they're floating in, we get to meet two more characters. We need to keep track of one. Two who's more.
0: Only... We we oh. made like five characters. Well, here. There's two.
2: There's one that's only going to be here in the beginning and the end, which is Timothy dugan dugan who's like an old friend of like he's on
0: jordan say his full name i don't know i put some respect on his full name what is his full name dum-dum dugan timothy uh, alayas dugan is what he calls him when he gets off he's like timothy alayas dugan hello (laughs) sure
2: so he's he's like an old friend he's on um he's on uh side and then they also meet kate neville who can apparently read people's minds, and she said she calls herself an ESPer, which is the worst way. I don't know. It just it, maybe it looks good on the page, but I thought it sounded dumb. Which is that she's being augmented with neural implants so she can kind of read people's minds.
0: Well, she already had ESP, and then they put neural implants to make it a little bit better. Yeah.
1: Well, there's. I mean, yeah. At one point, she mentioned she prefers the term ESPers, and I was thinking, why? Why do you prefer that term? It's much worse. The other, the other term was parapsychic, which I was like, that's a better term. Yeah, it's a much better term. And then there was like, isn't there a line where? He- she mentions she has an implant and like he kind of like looks at her chest and she's like no no well that's the thing
0: he meets her and then he sexually harasses her both verbally (laughs) and then also psychically yeah psychically (laughs) like he 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 legitimately she's just like i know what you're thinking and then he says it out loud he's like your tits
1: (laughs) (laughs) classic fury
0: i'm like wow nick fury great guy um then i can't believe you forgot about those characters then he i mean after he meets the general director of shield jordan that's right. jack pincer yeah and he is i guess the opposite of uh old duncan and that he hates him yeah he's the he's like the lieutenant or sergeant in
2: the police department who's like give me your badge and gun he's that's his yeah. role where he's just there uh regardless of how good or bad the mission is going to go he just doesn't want anyone to break code and and yeah, he's he's just he's there to be a wet blanket.
1: It's the standard pencil pusher in the in, in like the you know organization that's like, you, I don't like the way you're doing it. You don't play by the rules. You're too rough, and you know you know he's getting punched at some point by David Hasselhoff. But
2: I'm just gonna not not to ruin things. We won't get into too much. But there's a little turn at the end of the movie where something happens, and they really missed. I thought there could be a funnier joke. You know the old like. You just killed Flanders, zombie Flanders. He was a zombie. That was the good line, and they didn't really pull it off on this.
0: Yeah. Um, and of course, there's the uh, shields tech guy. Their Q, I guess, if you're a James Bond fan. Uh, Gabe Jones, yeah. played by Ron Canada. That's right, Ron Canada. Yeah. Which character was that?
2: He's he's the he's the
0: guy who makes all the gadgets for
2: him. Oh, that's he right. He gives him. He gives him. And yeah, because we get a very important thing you need to track, which is he gives him a gun that only will work in his hand i guess it's connected to his dna so if anyone else Jordan, tries to
0: no it's attached to his thermal
2: signal oh there you go it's attached to his thermal signal so if anyone other than uh, old Hasselhoff Nick Fury shoots the gun it's what i thought it was gonna be it was it, it just doesn't work but what we're gonna later see is not only does it not work it like turns around and shoots the person
1: yeah it fires backwards at the person holding the gun <laughs> yeah
2: it's a, it's a real like a like water gun uh sort of prank
0: but, I mean, because it's an electricity gun, it's fine. The electro gun can shoot anywhere it wants. Yeah, yeah. And we also get introduced to those robots real soon. Well, that's it. We get He shows us two gadgets, the electro gun, which we need to track, and then, of course, the LMDs, the life model decoys. Yeah, yeah. Which are just robots that, like, you put a skin on to make it look like David Hasselhoff. I actually,
2: I am going to say, I really like this point part i I, th-
0: I thought it was good because they don't really introduce
2: it first you just see a robot getting skin put on and i'm like is that a Hasselhoff face and it, it actually doesn't look that bad and then they they basically what you see is i don't know i guess they were already doing work assuming that uh if Nick Fury was coming back because they already have half of his uh,
0: they, knew he, they knew robot. he would put up a, a tough front but he was going to come back he was like they're like they know he's desperate and lonely yeah they read
1: the script ahead of time
0: but, but what these uh life model decoys are is
2: just what they sound like they're robotic android versions of real people in uh shield but they're like how would you say it, luke they're they're sort of like mimics like they how how did they describe them
0: yeah it doesn't seem like they're like it doesn't seem like they can like function as that person more that they like like they say that mimics their muscle their like muscle memory or something like and like it only ever
1: repeats whatever david hasloff says i don't i didn't understand with how they worked exactly <laughs> And speaking of muscle, did you not think it was way more muscular than David Hasselhoff was? Because I remember seeing it. I was like, man, that, that David Hasselhoff is not that fit. It may be anymore, but like it was way stronger and bulkier, you know?
0: <laughs> they did a few upgrades to the robot. Yeah. But yes, this this will be another, uh, another gadget he'll get to play with this episode. Um, real quick, though, you guys, because they get on S.H.I.E.L.D., they're boarding. You know, we're getting to see the ship. Like, we're getting introduced to the entire world. Mm-hmm. And over the intercom, they welcome them to the headquarters of S.H.I.E.L.D., and tell you what Shield stands for, and this blew my mind. What do, I don't remember. What did it stand for? Did you not write down the acronym for Shield? No. Kaveh, do you know the acronym for Shield?
1: I always forget it off by heart, but it's it's not it's the same one they use in the movies, right?
0: Is it? Is this in the movies? It is the Supreme Headquarters International Espionage Law Enforcement Division. No, no, and no law that's... enforcement is technically two words, but they tear it as one. <laughs> that's uh, I think that's incredibly that's wrong. That's what they say Shield stands for. I in my mind
1: that is canon in the MCU movies now. I'm like, that's what Shield means. A strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division, which sounds at least a little more palatable.
0: Supreme Headquarters International Espionage Law Enforcement Division. Why would you change
1: that? To like <laughs> to what end? Maybe that's what it originally was. I have no idea. I think it was maybe maybe yeah, that sounds more comic booky, I guess from like the 60s. Anyway, that just made me laugh so hard. I'm like, this is
0: the most insane acronym
1: and also it
0: to, to use law enforcement as one word blows my mind. But when we're here up in uh um, in
2: this cl- cloud city, this is where we kind of understand why this body was stolen. This is like h- how long is it at this point because this is where we, the plots really kind of gets going. We're into we're getting
0: into the movie now. And wh- it's probably like what 30 minutes in now? Yeah, 20-ish minutes probably somewhere in that vein. And like they give us the crisis basically is is that body of the Baron Inside of it, I guess, in its cells is the super virus called the Deathhead. Deathhead
2: virus. That's a great name for a virus.
0: A great virus. Great virus. And it's, it's very metal, so uh, deadly. And there's no vaccine for it. It was created by a Nazi scientist, of course, Armin Zola. <laughs> I love Zola. Are, and I wanted to ask: Are all these all these characters are from? The Marvel Comics, right? Like- oh yeah,
1: Zola is a huge one. He uh, uh, in the in the MCU, he's played by Toby Jones, which is like a, he's a great character actor. But oh yeah, he ends up uh, uh, uploading his AI into a into a screen that is later on later on, a robot. He becomes like a big head on a robot. He's a pretty cool <laughs> villain cool yeah, Armin zola is a cool character i mean in this he's just a, a very sickly old man
0: he's a sickly old nazi scientist in a wheelchair um yeah. shield has him in a safe have, a safe house in berlin so they're gonna head to berlin to like talk to him because i guess if Hydra's to get the virus out of the baron's body they're gonna need this guy who developed it
2: luke let me just mention the german accents in this there's a lot of like German accent attempts, but obviously there was no like dialect coach or real time given because if there's ever been just an approximation of an accent, that's what these actors are doing. It's just like if your friends are like I'm German, like I'm the German. That's it. That's that's the German <laughs> accents of this.
0: Yeah, that I mean that's the level of this movie yeah. for sure. And when they get to Berlin, they have to go meet an Interpol agent named Gail R- Runciter. Yeah. Hey, did, here's the thing. I know it's gonna be a thing later. I
2: actually. I couldn't tell the difference in these two women because she looks exactly like the villain, doesn't
1: she? And that's the best part because when it's revealed, when she reveals herself to be Viper, she does the spray over her face. And it might have been just like I was watching like a lower resolution. I was like, is is she a different person now? She sprays her face to reveal who she really is. And I couldn't tell that they were two different people. (laughs)
0: That is very funny. That's a very funny reveal if you guys couldn't tell the difference between those two actresses. I had to rewind it three times, and
2: I
1: was like, is she turning into someone else?
2: I actually thought when she showed it, because what we have here, at Luke, and I know we're ruining that, is they kind of go to meet her with a secret code, like, where's the bird fly? Flies in the morning, or whatever stupid spy code they have to use. And she comes down the stairs, and you see her, and I was like, is that the villain? I
0: was like, I couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> she looked exactly the same. No, she's pretending to be this Interpol agent, uh, and basically they... There's a whole sequence where, like, Hydra chases them. They run into a subway truck tunnel, and they're like, quickly, jump through this holographic wall. It's it's the safe house.
2: I have a question. So, yeah, so they, they go meter. Suddenly, villains come and start shooting them. And uh, Fury says, they have a car right there. And he goes, let's not take the car. Let's take the subway. And I was like, okay, I don't know how that's faster. But then they run down. They're not taking a subway car. They're just running down the the subway tracks and then they run through a holographic wall so my point was they that was their plan they had a backup they knew in case they got chased they would run down the subway into the holographic wall i assume that was always plan a actually there's no plan b oh okay yeah like it seemed it just seems like a thing like wouldn't it be cool if they had a holographic wall but it doesn't i I think just getting in the car and driving away would have been more effective
0: i have a quick question and this may be more for kaveh All of the Hydra henchmen in this look like Uncle Fester. They're bald and painted white. They're all painted white. I don't know why. And they're all completely bald. They all look like Uncle Fester. Why?
1: I don't know. This is a design choice for this thing. Because I remember... My note was like, they all look like putties. Remember the Power Rangers putties? Yeah. They're just like silver or like... Or, like, Mr. Freeze in the Batman and Robin movie. I, I don't know why they look like that. Because usually the the Hydra henchmen all wear, like, a green sort of outfit. Like, they, they have a cool kind of green costume. But, no, this is just this weird design choice for this. You movie. know
2: what I had thought? And I don't think this is, is right. But when I first saw them, what I thought it was supposed to be is, um, because we see this guy cryogenically frozen, I assumed they were all, like, 1940s Nazis that had been unfrozen. And, thus, they all have this sort of, like, their skin's messed up. That's what I thought. But that was just me making it up but I, because there's no indication that's
0: what that is in the movie
1: that's giving it more thought than the creators yeah maybe at,
0: at any rate they get into the safe house they meet this old nazi dr zola he's in his wheelchair and he's not very cooperative so of course this is where that uh, parapsychic agent comes in that that what is it psir ESPer.
2: ESPer. she's by ESP-er. the way i'm gonna argue she is the most uh useful person on the team
0: i guess so because she like she's like i'm gonna invade his mind and find out the information we need and when she does, we get uh, a bunch of stock footage of various apocalypses from movies that had more bigger budgets. Yeah. <laughs> and then she comes out and she's like, oh, no, Hyder was already here. They put a post-hypnotic trap in his mind for me. And I was like, what?
2: Well, no, there's there's she she sees stuff and it's like all this horrible stuff happening. Like it looks like atom bombs going off and that sort of thing. And she's like, there's all this destruction. And then Fury's like, uh, "What?" Did, she's like, I've never seen such evil. And then he goes, what did you see? And she goes, well, he's got a blocker, so I can't see much. And I was like, But well, you just did. You just did see. You saw all that destruction. Like, you need something more yeah, specific." I'm not sure. Maybe
0: that was the post hypnotic trap. I have no idea. <laughs> mm. Um, but at this point, they're like, you know, Hydra's already been here. This is this is when this Interpol agent, who is really the bad guy, is like. Nick, come with me. Let's have a conversation. I think there might be a Hydra agent in the building. They go to the next room, and she's just like, hey, FYI, you want to have some like makeout times now? What do you think? And Nick's like, mm, I'm not so sure. So she like has a joy buzzer in her hand that she just zaps him with. It's her ring. Her ring. Yeah. He gets knocked out, and then she gives him a big old kiss in the mouth. She's like, ha-ha, you got the poison kiss now, the kiss of the viper. They say what it is. It's the frog.
2: Where did I write it down? It, there's a specific frog toxin
1: colombian tree frog that's what it is yeah Yeah, something like that frog poison yeah Yeah. which is probably that seems like they googled like most poisonous colombian tree frog
2: the most deadly toxin in nature it made me laugh and laugh and laugh there's just something funny about putting a frog toxin all over your
1: lips and then kissing someone it's it's he's only got seven hours to live well, because at that at that moment, she could have just also used the bullet to the head, which is
2: I mean, we all know why they've done this because they, they want to um, up the tension and give you you know, a short time frame for when they can now win. Do you think that was an ef- effect of it all in this movie of going like, okay, well, now he's being infected. And we know that he only
1: has certain amount of time to live. Did that add tension? at all i i think it adds to the physicality that hasselhoff was lacking by at least saying like oh he can't do these stunts because his body's been poisoned for most of the movie you're like so i feel that's sick. why, that's why he's when, when he's kicking
2: his leg doesn't go up very high and you're <laughs> like a uh, classic tre- the... tree frog poison
1: exactly <laughs> but
0: essentially yes he's poisoned she gets away with the somehow she escapes somehow in the confusion of nick getting poisoned she somehow escapes with the doctor there's still like hundreds of agents there i don't know how she pulled it off but she does and they're like, Nick, you only have seven hours to live. The only possible, maybe cure is you have to get some of Viper's blood because if they created this toxin to go in her lips, then it must be sequenced to her DNA. So if we get her blood, maybe we can cure it. it was a long walk.
2: They need to have an out for the audience. You don't want to be too worried about Nick. You might you think oh, there's going to be a chance he's going to be able to be able to make it.
0: Like if you thought this was going to be the only TV movie, you would have turned it off right now. Like well, if he's going to die, I, I'm, I'm not interested. <laughs> At any rate, they head they head back to the helicarrier thing, and they're like trying to figure out what to do. And I think this is Jordan, what you were referring to earlier. Um, the general Pincer, who's the who's the chief, who's always mad at Nick Fury for messing up, is yelling at him. And then one of these uh, life model decoy robots that looks exactly like him gets off an elevator. But there's
2: something different. Did you see what was different about it? That was the real telltale sign. No. No. W- was wearing a hat. <laughs>
1: Right. I remember kind of... it was
2: just like, we haven't seen this character with a hat before. Why is it wearing a hat? And it's like, oh, it's a robot. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. I'm glad it had a... it. What I think it is is that they they were like, they had to take a chance. are like, ha- has he ever wore a hat? We have to dress this robot, and we have to convince everyone it's him. It's like, yeah, just put a big hat on him. I think that's what he wears. And then it comes in <laughs> wearing like a fedora.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it walks in. Nick sees it immediately, shoots it several times. It then like opens its mouth and shoots at a hologram where the hologram is the viper Uh, essentially explaining her plan that um, she's going to launch a missile full of death's heads virus into Manhattan if they don't give her $1 billion. And actually, I thought
2: this effect wasn't bad. You kind of have her, like, head, like, rotating, like, uh, projection
0: sort of in the middle of the room. And I was like, that doesn't look so bad. I have to say, though, for a a villain's plan, I'm just going to put this out there. So she spent all this time creating an exact duplicate of the, like, the head of S.H.I.E.L.D., essentially. Like, you would think you would do that You'd implant it. She's brought it. She somehow got it on the of here. So she's already overcome two massive obstacles. Recreate the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. and get it into S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters. You think what you would do then is have your robot, you know, do some espionage or look into things or be, a, be your mole in the organization. Or an uh, explosive. Her, her whole plan is just to, like, have it walk into HQ, immediately get spotted so that it can shoot a hologram out of its mouth.
1: Yeah, basically just shoot a promo for what the plan is, essentially. Like, all that stuff should, could have also been sent through, a, like, a text message.
0: Yeah, she didn't want to give him a call. This is why Hydra can't succeed, I think. That's true. Um, at any rate, S.H.I.E.L.D. comes up with a plan for how to deal with this. They figure that the missiles most likely are already in New York because they wouldn't be able to fly over the no-fly zone of New York or whatever. And if they're full of virus, they have to be inside of refrigeration. So they're probably on mobile refrigerated trucks. So they need to send one team led by the contestant to New York to look for refrigerated trucks.
2: Yeah, it seems really—you for like you just have to remember, the technology of this organization, they have a flying base— they have, they have uh, you know uh, unlimited money, unlimited resources, it seems like, super advanced technology, and they send out a team of three to drive around New York City, a city of millions and millions and millions of people, to try to find one refrigerated van. Not the best plan. Like, they don't have a scanner that can just scan the city.
0: Well, the other plan is uh, they will send another team to track down Hydra's headquarters because they need to get the Vipers abort codes to even stop the missiles, apparently. That's right. And... Uh, Thankfully for them, that that robot that looked like the uh, the boss, it was built using a laptop motherboard, and they're able to use the serial code on the laptop's motherboard to figure out where the laptop was purchased, which is the Illusion Islands. So they're just going to go there because they figure when the Viper gave her, her ransom message, when she gave the time of – she gives a time in, in the middle of it, and they're like, she didn't say Eastern Standard Time. She said – greenwich meantime which means she's probably also in the illusion islands i'm like what
1: that yeah. third act would have been so different if they had found out the laptop was purchased at best buy and they just had to do the third <laughs> act at best buy <laughs>
0: but it, yeah so this seals the deal nick fury takes another team on a stealth jet out to the islands and he, fl- he flies out there which a how does he fly a jet with one eye i don't understand
2: well, I mean, I mean, that might be the problem why why they don't make it all the way to the island. Well, they do, but not
0: in one piece. <laughs> um, anyway, let, let's start. Let's let's break these into two separate things we talked about. Let's start with the Contessa's team that goes to New York City. So, Jordan, they do kind of have some tech. They have a satellite that is, like, scanning that's New York true. up above. And they're just pinpointing any vehicle that's kind of cold. Yeah, so they'd be like,
2: <laughs> uh, this thing through our whatever temperature scan we can see this might be a a van follow it and so they the
0: van they chase this van and hydra's thinking ahead they've they've apparently positioned many many cold trucks around the city so they're they're constantly going to the wrong decoy cold truck find or find these missiles and this we keep cutting back and forth between these two plot lines so we keep coming back to new york and at some point they're just like well we've looked at every single cold truck on the island there's only one left i hope it's this one and they drive by they're like Oh, it's a cold garbage
1: truck. I was just like, what do you mean it's a cold garbage <laughs> truck? <laughs> and this was the big like action set piece, I think, yeah. like in the entire movie. Aside yeah. from like the finale, this is like your big like there's two action beats going on and and it's about as riveting as a cold garbage truck. <laughs> yeah, th-
0: this garbage truck pulls into a warehouse to get ready to fire the missiles and the uh w- they're of course targeting the only thing you would target your missiles on in New York if you've got missiles, uh, which would be the Twin Towers. <laughs> yeah never forget guys never forget when hydra blew up the twin towers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh there's just yeah there's a whole action sequence where contestant or team sneak in they get the drop on this hydra group that's going to do this it's like a long it's a long sequence but they essentially just beat up all the hydra guys stop them sort of but they can't stop the missiles from blowing up the twin towers because they need an abort code and that's on nick fury's team but like her her whole thing is wrapped up pretty easily. Yeah, and let me ask you this, uh, just a question.
2: So w- we have a lot of scenes of like Contessa, whatever her name is, and her and her team of like characters who don't have names or lines, and they're waiting. They're waiting because they want the abort code. I get that. So they're up, kind of in the rafters, looking down. On the Hydra people who are setting up the missiles, but she keeps saying she keeps calling back to Shield, and she's like, "Yeah, they haven't set anything up yet." Blah blah. I was like, "Why don't you go and attack now? Like, why do you have to wait <laughs> to attack when they're ready to go?" It's like attack attack them now. You don't even need to have the abort codes because they haven't even set
0: up the missiles. I think what it is, is Nick's, Nick's on thin ice with S.H.I.E.L.D. right now, and she knows he needs a win <laughs> at the office in order not to get fired. So she could easily stop this, but she's trying to give her coworker a quick win. She's like, "Well, what if I wait a few more minutes? Nick might pull off his end of the bargain. He might. He might do it. Well, it's like,
2: I, I get what they're doing. They want to add this tension that there's only so much time. But it's just one of those things where it's like, just stop them now. Stop them now. And then you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about if Nick has survived or not. Just stop them.
0: No, but she doesn't. She doesn't. She doesn't. Do
2: no, she just keeps waiting, watching the guy set up the missiles.
0: And eventually gets to the point where they do need Nick to find that abort code. <laughs> yeah. Which brings us back to Fury, who's flying over these Illusion Islands. He's uh, he, The S.H.I.E.L.D. is able to pinpoint where the Hydra base is because of phone calls she's making to her brother in New York or something. And at the same moment they pinpoint the base, somehow the cloaked jet they're flying is not all that cloaked because the uh, Hydra also happens to shoot missiles at it. Yeah. I didn't even know it
2: was cloaked. They yeah, make a big
0: deal about it being cloaked, and then the second they get there, they're like, oh, uh, I guess I can see through our cloaking. I'm like, w- why did you – what What was all this back and forth about?
2: Yeah, so their plane gets shot with, uh, with missiles, but they're all able to eject in time. So you see the ship blow up, but S.H.I.E.L.D. now doesn't have any – Ability to speak with them because they don't have a radio signal anymore. So they're sort of uh, the, the stakes are that they're now by themselves on this island having to infiltrate this base. But there's only a few of them. Although I didn't know if that changed much for them losing the plane. They still got where they needed to get. Yeah, and, I mean, and I, it didn't Island, change
0: anything Jordan. in terms of like. I'm, it, I'm quite sure that that team climbed out of a lake in BC after they crashed. Right.
1: <laughs> well, also, wasn't there. I mean, are, are we missing the part where there was, this was the mutiny, too, where they all kind of decide to side with. Uh, oh, Fury? that's true. I thought that was a really interesting part because it was like the, the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. decides to get, like, tells, finds out the Fury's flying there and he says, you got to turn back now. And essentially, he's going to, like, whatever their version of court martial all the agents and they one by one side with Fury. And they're like, "I'm sorry, director. I can't. You're not coming. The transmission's not coming through." And then, do you remember what um, the director ends up calling Fury? He's really no, upset. He, said? he says, "Don't you dare cut me off, you comic book coward!" <laughs> and I was like, "That's great. That is a little bit of a winky wink to all the fans that know exactly." But what I this don't
2: is. understand why did they go to all the trouble of flying to the Yukon to find Nick Fury to bring him back, and then when they put him on a mission, they want to they want to like. Court-martial him. I'm like, is not that the point? No, it doesn't him make out? a lot
0: of sense why they brought him back just to be. I mean, before that scene happens, the basically they they come up with a plan, and the director kind of says, "Nick, you can't go on the mission because you're seven hours from being dead. We need somebody a little oh, more right, reliable." That's right. And then what's funny is he like they don't come up with a plan, an alternative. The director just walks out of the room, and Nick's like, "All right, let's go." And I'm just like, "Well, this is on you, director. Like, you knew this was gonna happen." Yeah, it's it's all very silly. The director hates like like you said, Jordan nick's the loose cannon he's the chief of the police department and uh, their only their only relationship is to yell at each other
2: yeah he's like you're not gonna do things by the book are you and he's like chomping cigars like absolutely not <laughs> they get into the base that's the important thing and uh we should say this is all clearly shot in vancouver right like i didn't even look it up but yes. i assume this was shot in vancouver
0: yeah yeah well i mean hydra's base is uh either either an old base or a uh, old lumber mill one or the other <laughs> yeah yeah they they get inside. Nick's just like this is going too easily, and, and then immediately they are ambushed and th- and thrown in a prison cell. Um, and there's like the, there's a whole sequence where where Viper catches them and she's like, pat them down for weapons, and they're like they're taking all the weapons off of them, and there's some weird threats made.
1: I mean, right before that, too, that's the second time in the tunnel where he's used a spray because he notices there's a laser. That's, yeah. Oh, yeah, laser that was insane. Gate, and he can somehow detect that there's la- invisible lasers that are going to work as an alarm or kill them. And their way around it is to use another hairspray-type device, which is now the second time in this show that like a, a spray-type device has been like the tool used to either reveal your identity or get past the trap, which I thought also, was
0: creative. Also, how the spray worked was... They can't see the lasers so they use the spray and now they can see the lasers and then they use the spray again and the spray just melts the lasers into a circle like you like can cut a hole yeah. in a wall yeah. and you yeah. can walk through i was just like i don't
2: understand what this spray does it's a very good spray so here's your question though so we we get the the guys they break in they have a couple fights they get captured they get all checked now And what we're going to have happen is they're going to get put into a cage but on to, on hydra's side You've now caught Nick Fury, the big guy you're worried about, and his team. Why
0: not just shoot them? Why not just kill them? Oh, she says.
1: You now have Nick Fury for the second time, by the way.
0: She says She says specifically, it's like, we could kill them now, or we could hold on to them for a bit, and maybe we can torture them a little later. How about that, you guys? It's just one of those
2: things, like, I know why, because we, we don't want the character, you know, you don't want to kill the character. But it just, there had to be some reason that they should have, you know, given, like, no, like there's, 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 no there's no time for it, or something has happened, or we can't shoot him because if a bullet ricochets and the air pressure in here, anything, anything other than just like, mm, let's just hold off because we're procrastinators.
0: Well, I love that they search them, and like she's like she's really she's really sure Nick Fury is hiding stuff on him. So she flips up his eye patch and like finds an, a lockpick device under under his like taped to the back of his eye patch. She takes it, and then mm-hmm. they toss him in that cell. And Nick's like, she didn't find everything. He also flips open his eye patch, and apparently in under his eye patch, he has a glass eye, which he wears
1: under his eye patch under
2: his sewed shut eye.
1: So the glass eye is an explosive bomb, which I guess he's always just carrying around inside his skull at all times.
2: Yeah, I know. Um,
1: And I have to give the writing credit because when she first reveals the uh, the lockpick in her eye patch, I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, they've thought of that and decided to take that out but then they just replace that with something else hidden under his yeah. eye it's, and it's like the same That's thing. The thing
2: it should have been like a multiple gag where they're like they check under his eye patch and they find the lockpick then like wait check his eyeball and they pull out and pull out the bomb and then he's like they didn't check my sinuses and he also has another <laughs> thing behind it <laughs>
0: Well that's what it was like When she checked the eye patch I assumed That they, what they wanted to do Was do a gag Where they check his eye socket But they knew They couldn't quite do it So, they were, so I was just like Okay but that's as close As they could get But then he gets in that prison cell And he's just like Oh wait though I do have something in my eye socket It's just an eye I don't need to wear an eye patch Because I actually have A glass eye under here That I, I could use And look yeah. normal with But I, I choose not to
1: Remember, he tells him, "Relax, it's only plastic." After he's like taking his eye out and it's attached to wire, like, "Yeah, we know that. We know you know, don't have a real love, eye."
2: <laughs> yeah, it's not like he's like, "Just so you guys know, I don't just wear this eye patch just for fun. I don't have a real
0: yeah. eye under here." They're like, "Oh, thank goodness." Yeah. It would it would be good though if it was like this whole thing where he's pulling out. He's like, oh, "Relax, relax. It's not a. It's a plastic eye." And they're like, "Nick, that's the wrong socket." And he's
1: just got this like, bloody eye in his hand. <laughs> He's going to have to wear two eye patches now.
0: So,
2: but he's able to use his eyeball. They sticks it on the, the outside of the cell. They blow the wall out. They're free. Now it's time to, I, I think, is this the scene where they, they find her
0: now? Yeah, basically Nick immediately tracks down Viper and Dr. Zola, the, the old Nazi. And like, this is the scene you've been waiting for, Jordan. Uh, Dr. Zola is holding the electro gun that belongs to Nick Fury. That's right. And he like tries to pull the trigger and the whole thing electrocutes him. And then my favorite part of this, he like, Nick's like, don't do it. And he pulls the trigger. We see a man get electrocuted and then there's a cut. And then we see his wheelchair roll down a staircase. <laughs> <laughs>
2: did did Nick Fury have, I, I didn't write it down, but he had some like pithy one liner, didn't he? After the guy yeah, shot himself. You're about to get zapped or something. I don't like know. what's good for the goose is good for the gander or something like that. He said. <laughs>
1: <laughs> What's weird is, why is he warning him not to fire the trigger? Like, this is going to be his way out of the scene. And he's warning the guy not to pull the trigger. It's like, let him do this to himself. It's your way out of the situation. He, Nick really just knows
0: it. he's always going to pull that trigger. Nick knows he can't help himself. Exactly. <laughs> it's the, he's like, it's dramatic irony, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, of course, uh, after that's done, Fury and Viper getting a bit of a duke. There's a little of a fight sequence. They're duking it out. They're fighting it. Viper gets her hand in a gun. She turns around and shoots Nick in the chest like 17 times. He drops dead, and we're all like, oh, no, Nick's dead. She's killed She's killed the hero. <laughs> and then David Hasselhoff steps at her from around a corner, and he says, "Haha, just joking, that was my life model decoy. And I was just like, <laughs> I, I when did that switch happen? I know. How did that <laughs> life model decoy get here? What is happening?
2: <laughs> well, that's, that, that's the funny thing because they don't seed it at all. Like, you see the plane. There's three of them. There's not four. It's not like there's a cloaked person in the background. Then you see the plane explode. They're getting into the uh, facility. There's only three of them, but they've mentioned this robot earlier on. They're like, we can use this robot, but it's like, but
0: how, where, when? Like, That was my question. When? So when Nick walked in there and like when he said, don't shoot me, Dr. Zola, the gun, electric, you, was that all the life? When did the life model decoy... Nick-
1: I thought it was the final, uh, that whole fight scene, because I think once yeah. the fight, not not with the uh, Zola, but with the fight scene with the Viper, I thought it must be the robot because it, it, there was no other time. They were constantly in physical interaction. Yeah, yeah. There's the no time for a scene. switch
2: out. I think the switch out had to be as after they broke out of the cell. That's when the other robot took off. I'm going to assume in his other eye socket, he has parts <laughs> of the robot. <laughs> he slowly started pulling them out. They built the robot, sent him in. That's the only thing that makes I mean, sense to me.
0: when we Cersei the robot, there is a line that says it can get broken down for easy transport. But I just, there's just no way it was small enough for that. Like, he just wasn't carrying anything ever, so it just doesn't make sense. But I guess that's my point. So, what we're saying is sometime between breaking out and getting there. So, the entire sequence is just the robot. Yeah. So... Nick is just standing behind a corner watching how the robot does the whole time. He's not like, he's not like, he's like, I could jump in here and really like even the odds, but I'll just see
1: what this robot does first. The robot also is now able to do clever quips and like little jokes too, which before was only able to repeat.
2: Kovet, while he was putting him together, he was giving him the quips. So he was That's like, true. like a parrot. Right. He's like, he's like, uh, tell her uh, after you shoot her, say
0: shocking, you know, and then that goes <laughs> shocking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah. at any rate, yes, Nick's not, Nick steps out of the corner. He's not dead. He easily defeats the Viper. He, he drags her to a chair to tie her up in. And as he does, they walk past the cryogenically frozen body of her father. <laughs> and he's like, hey, check out your popsicle. Love it. And then he's like, get it? Do you, do you get my joke? Like, he yeah. literally asks her, do you get the joke I just made?
1: He truly, it's a BoJack Horseman moment of like, do you get, do you get what I just did there? It's there's so many-
0: bad. It's so bad.
2: It's, but it's longer than you guys are making it. He's like, there's your popsicle you get it popsicle like a popsicle it's cold popsicle your dad he's frozen popsicle and i was like
0: how long can this scene go it just keeps going <laughs> yeah it was the funniest part that like for the first time he's like i better explain this one-liner you?
2: you know what that would have been a funnier uh take on the nick fury character if every time he made a one-liner no one laughed and he explained it three or four times i'd be like all right that's something at that least different
0: Here's something, and just because I just happened to watch the pilot for it, but I watched the pilot for that Peacemaker show, that, like, James Mm -hmm. Gunn Suicide Squad spinoff. Oh, right. And Peacemaker is the exact same character as Nick Fury, essentially, except in that show, Peacemaker, they acknowledge that, like, that kind of 80s, like, superhero kind of thing, like, that kind of, like, hyper-toxic masculine character is, like, is also kind of the dumbest man on Earth. And like, yeah. this is the one scene where I was like, oh, so th- this could be in that other show is like there. Cause the scene where the guy's like popsicle, you get it? Like, cause your dad's frozen and like pop, like it's, it's, I'm like, I'm like, what is happening here? Why is this suddenly like aware of itself? And again, I'll, I'll make the point. I got the sense that Hasselhoff
2: kind of was aware of how cheesy this was. Now I'm not saying his performance is good cause I don't think it's good, but I think for him, he, there was a sense it's, of what he was doing. It's good for Hasselhoff. It's as, yeah.
0: as good as Hasselhoff can do.
1: Uh, I don't know. I think he, yeah.
2: You think just, you think he was better in Baywatch Nights?
1: I just felt like he just had done that character for so long that he just sort of got eased into that character. I just feel like this was, he. I can definitely give him credit for trying. Yeah, I, I,
0: I think he's doing the most he can. I yeah. think he read the script and was like, this is what this is. Guys, yeah. you may criticize him, but he had to
2: play two characters. He had to play Nick Fury <laughs> and Nick Fury the robot. So, <laughs> I mean, L-M-D. he did pretty good.
0: And when you watch it back, you can see the subtle differences where he <laughs> explains he's a robot. Well, well, that's why,
2: Kaveh, to your point earlier, remember you were saying that he seemed old and kind of stiff? It's just because it was a robot
0: fighting.
1: There you go. Yes. They had pretty much cast the robot for this show.
0: <laughs> uh, at any rate, now that they've got the Viper tied to a chair, they bring in that parapsychic agent again, and, and they have her invade the Viper's minds to get the abort codes for them. And... Um, she gets almost all the abort code out except for the last digit. She's like, I'm not sure if it's a six or a nine. And then they're like, I don't know. Nick, your choice, I guess. I was like, What? What do you mean your choice next six or nine? It's
1: also It's also too long. The the mind reading part was like about a minute long of just two people struggling with hands on the other temple and it's like boys for like seventy I, seconds.
2: I was sure there was gonna be like an archer type joke there or something. He was like, It's a six or a nine. He was just gonna be like, nice. They're like, no,
0: seriously, <laughs> this is this is serious stuff. No, no, it's it's they can't. She can't tell if it's six or nine for whatever reason. They let Nick decide which one it's going to be, and I believe he goes, uh, let's go with nine. And then the Viper just has a terrible smirks. poker
1: face. She smirks. Yeah.
0: As soon as they say nine, she's just like, yeah, I got him. And then Nick's like, oh no, wait, six, 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 do six.
1: And this is the big action set piece finale for the entire movie.
0: And good news, everybody, the twin towers are saved once again.
1: <laughs> yeah. Forever
0: forever
2: <laughs> i'm glad we're at a point where we can all joke about september 11th <laughs> that horrible horrible tragedy
0: at any rate the rest of the uh shield agents i guess arrive and start arresting all the henchmen there they're, i guess they get the blood from viper because they're like oh great now we're gonna be able to cure you nick good news and then as they're sort of wrapping things up an- another random countdown starts happening and like they all start panicking like, oh, no, what's this countdown for? But I, I guess the countdown is just a distraction because the Viper is able to escape her bonds of her chair. Right. Yeah. You know, runs in, gets in the cryogenic tube with her popsicle, if you will.
1: The slowest moving tube. The, and yeah, the is tube so begins slow. to
0: descend into the earth very slowly, incredibly slowly. They watch the bad guys descend away into the ground. Nick then opens the door to the cryogenic tube, looks into the hole, which is at this bait with that rate of speed, it's what three feet underground now. Mm-hmm. He looks down and he's like, "Well, she's halfway to China." And I'm like,
1: what? "She's she's right there. You could throw a grenade at her right yeah, now." Yeah,
0: very stoppable, Nick. This is still a very solvable problem, but you're giving up already. Well, he right. was like, uh, "I could bend
2: down, but you know, my knees,
1: <laughs> my knees they're a little tired." Yeah, does Nick Fury think like? China's really going to just be right there, like, three feet under? Maybe that's what he's mining for in the mines. China's he's like, I'm anyway. almost in <laughs> China. He's
2: like, every time... Like, what? He's like, almost in China. They're like, <laughs> yeah, Nick, you've, all, you've only mined about a foot, almost in <laughs> yeah. China.
0: Oh. You've been here five years and you've got a foot down. <laughs> yeah. And anyway, they, they all head back to the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier... This is that big scene where director the general director Pincher shows up and he's he's mad about something. I guess that they lost the bad guy or something. Mm-hmm. So Nick just physically assaults him at work.
1: Yeah. I mean, he was we were worried about his diminished motor coordination was what he, the doctor was telling him he was going to have. And then as soon as I hear he's going to have diminished motor coordination, the boss shows up. I'm like, oh, there's going to be a punch here and a quip about diminished. Well, motor they, they,
2: they know the audience. The audience is so on Nick Fury's side. And they yeah. hate this bureaucrat who's been trying to stop him the whole time. So they're like, I hope they punch that smug guy in the face. And he does. And you're like, yay. Everyone at home is just like,
0: yeah, I hate my boss, too. I'm going to go physically assault him on Monday, too. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. But I like that everyone else is just like, I'll allow it.
0: Yeah, I know. Nobody stops him. Nobody yeah. even helps the director when he's knocked on no. Um, And then, of course, we get a little moment for Nick and Contessa where they, I guess, forgive each other for their past transgressions or whatever. They look out on the clouds. They're like on the balcony of this ship or
1: something. He had that half-hearted apology that he gives her. That's yeah, what yeah. He almost
0: apologized and she's like, close enough. It's the most you'll ever get from a man. <laughs> that almost, that could be a line you said. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then there's this one scene. It's this very quick moment where Nick Fury starts uh, philosophizing. I'm not going to say the word. Philosophizing. Philosophizing. He starts philosophizing. He gets a little philosophical here. And he says something that for a hot second, I'm just like, well, how is this is too this is too deep to be in the show where he sort of says he's like, huh, I wonder if shield only exists because of hydra and hydra only exists because of shield i wonder if we're some sort of self-perpetuating circle
1: and he's like ah never mind (laughs) yeah i I thought i forgot about that line i thought you were gonna say that maybe he should start wondering huh i wonder if i'll get in trouble for punching my boss at work no no
0: he starts wondering if if two giant giant organizations that run like world police are maybe bad for the world he's like (laughs) ah never mind but, yeah. then,
2: but then you get a scene where Dugan comes in, gives uh, Nick Fury a cigar. And what I liked about it was uh, he goes, thanks for the cigar. And he's like, you're not going to smoke it? He's like, I think I might quit. And what my thought was, they were like, hey, if we go to series, we can't have people smoking so much on TV.
1: So let's just have <laughs> yeah. the character quit now. He's on the patch.
0: It's crazy. It's a crazy show. And it sort of all, uh, it all wraps up with, I think if this were an MCU movie, this would be a post credit sequence. Mm-hmm. Yes. But like. Like it this happens now just at the end of the season. But like you would really see the credits rolling and this happening mid credits. But essentially we cut to the Viper. She's somewhere. She's halfway to China, presumably. <laughs> in a cave. At that speed she's like she's maybe twenty feet down. <laughs> yeah, she's <laughs> yeah, she's like, like four slightly feet below, below where, we where Shield yeah. was. They just gave up. They didn't look. Um and they've managed to resurrect <laughs> her father so the frozen body of her dad the baron is now back alive again and they're yeah. like dad i brought you back to life and the two of them kind of have this like scene where they like i don't know where they plan and it is way way too sexual right okay
1: thank you <laughs> i was going to ask you guys what you read that temperature as cuz it felt so romantic and incesty it, it was it like was she gross. she I caresses like she caresses his face kind of like her like her head tilted against his shoulder it was
2: why was it his was... face all wrinkly? Like, I, I it wasn't age wrinkles, right? It was like uh, i just got out of a cryogenic chamber wrinkle. No, I
0: think that man was very old. <laughs> yeah, I think that was just the actor. Oh. They didn't have time to make So when on. she was
2: she was gently caressing and 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 playing yeah. with his those those were those were just age flaps.
0: Yes. Yeah, it, that was a weird scene because it is just them being like, "Oh, Dad, you're back alive. Now we can do evil together." But the two actors shoot it in like the most intimate way possible. And I was like, "Oh, I don't like this at all." how long do you think it takes to get uh
2: someone up, up to speed like an evil villain because he's been frozen since the 1940s right let's say 45 <laughs> so he's like everything's going well though like uh we've, we've taken over and, and no it's no like, cause oh.
0: they, they defeated him in the 80s so it's uh he he oh. knows he knows oh, what's okay
2: so i thought they had to bring him up to speed of 40 years
0: it's only been 10 i think it's max max 10 yeah, not so bad then not not they just have to happening. explain cell phones to him really right right he's like pa- pagers yeah, he's like, "Give me my pager, <laughs> Dad." No, oh, you get a cell phone <laughs> now. come give Daddy a kiss. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's that's it. That is Nick Fury, Agent of Shield. Mm-hmm. Um, any uh, any final things? Any little notes we didn't cover? that You guys want to talk
1: about? I have two pieces of trivia to offer you. One right. short. I've got one
0: piece of trivia, so you go first.
1: Okay. With well, the short one is that. Uh, apparently, David Hasselhoff didn't want to wear the eye patch at all. This, is the, is... this
0: is the same thing I read. Yeah, I
1: read this on the IMDb, but it's like he, yeah, he didn't want to, and then and then Luke, you, you can explain why he ended up having to wear it, <laughs> if you insist. And I don't know if I believe this. I wonder if this is just
0: a, a a funny rumor that started, but the rumor is he wouldn't wear the eye patch until just before they went to shooting. When he got pink eye, so he decided to wear the eye patch.
1: I believe it. I believe it happened. Makes sense. It's
0: so funny. It's such a funny piece of trivia. Um, I,
1: I also wanted to share a little bit of in-canon knowledge that's really interesting with regards to like...
0: Yeah, this is what I want to know. I want to know how this fits into the multiverse. Well, so if
1: you guys know, uh, you guys know, of course, who plays Nick Fury in the MCU. Of course, Samuel L. Jackson. Exactly. And so what? there's a really interesting history about that because Nick Fury, for the longest time in the comics, was, it was a white man who essentially... I mean, Hasselhoff sort of nails it, except for... Uh, he needs a little bit of white near like the temples white hair of the temples but um the idea for like changing Nick fury was introduced in 2002 in like the ultimates uh comic line Mm -hmm. uh there's a writer named mark millar who had his artist kind of cast quote unquote samuel jackson as nick fury they just kind of used this likeness i I think it was kind of unofficial and then marvel studios saw that version in one of the comics like that's great let's get samuel jackson to play fury for the films but, and so this became, like, pretty popular because of the movies and they started using the comics. So the main uh, Marvel MCU uh, – sorry, the Marvel main, the main, the main universe, which is Earth-616, they decided to incorporate this look. But they had to change – they had to find a story reason to why white Nick Fury now looks like Samuel L. Jackson. So there's a very contrived storyline where there's a bunch of uh, heroes, Captain uh, America and Iron Man are looking for this, like, unknown, mysterious young black man. And you don't know why for the longest time. to look who this man is. He's unnamed. They're trying to find him. HYDRA's looking for him too. And basically after like 12 issues, this recurring storyline, you find out that he's Nick Fury's illegitimate son. He's like the bastard son of, 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 of Nick Fury and slept with a woman years ago. Nick Fury has this young black uh, son. And basically they fight HYDRA together. And you still don't know this young man's name. And in this fight, uh, the young black man and Nick Fury both get captured. And the young man has his uh, eye ripped out. And Nick Fury is killed. So Nick Fury, and this is father and son. Nick Fury is killed, and, and the young man escapes and joins uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. And officially announces his, what his name is, is Nick. And he is literally Nick Fury. as, And, and now he has to wear an eye patch because his eyes been ripped out. So he becomes the... And he starts climbing the ranks of S.H.I.E.L.D. And becomes the next leader of S.H.I.E.L.D. So in canon, technically... Samuel Jackson is David Hasselhoff's son, but they don't want to refer- reference this ever again in the comics. So it's always it's like technically canon in the storyline, but they've decided to never bring it up. And so I think it's a really interesting detail that that Marvel wants you to forget entirely, and that's how they've retconned Samuel Jackson from. David you know what Hasselhoff. I
2: have to say? Based on what you said, I don't think there was a smoother way you could have uh, you could have changed that character. I think that's it. I think this is the perfect yeah. way to do it.
1: They really want you to forget it's two different people. They want you to just continue remembering that it's the same Nick Fury.
2: I still don't think it's as dumb as when uh, Captain America died and then they brought him back. They're like, how come he didn't die? They're like, oh, it was a time bullet that killed him. That was one of my favorite uh, comic <laughs> yeah. things of all time. It was a time bullet. I was like, yeah. oh,
0: okay, fair enough. Oh, that's where Tenant came from. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: yeah. Ugh. yeah. don't listen to Tenant. You and I feel <laughs> differently about Tenant, Luke. <laughs> all right, you guys. I think that about wraps it up. So should we do the ratings for yes, uh, for, this, uh, for this TV movie?
1: Uh, so out of 10, Cave, why don't you start us off? I think it was a valiant effort for its time, but it's, you know, despite everything and it feeling very much like a dad action movie, which is mm. like the kind of thing dad's like, I got to give it like a five out of 10 for entertainment value because it just seemed boring for the most part. Five out of 10, valiant effort.
2: What about you, Jordan? Uh, I think you liked it more than I did. I think this was, it was bad in every respect. It was badly acted. It was badly written. There was bad production design. It was badly edited. The overall story was bad. It just, it's just not very good. And there's like, even the things that could have been redeeming weren't like, it wasn't funny bad, you know, it wasn't like you, you have like, well, at least I'm going to hate watch this thing and
0: have a good time. I can only give it a three and a half out of 10. I liked the part in the first thirty seconds where the annoying coworker got shot in the stomach, um, and that was all. So zero point five. Oh, wow. I love re- the rest of my two hours was a nightmare. <laughs> I checked. Uh, I checked the time on this thing.
2: I don't know eighty-five times every couple minutes. I'm like, how long? How much longer? How much longer?
1: I, I will say that. Uh, David S. Goyer had gone on to write Batman vs Superman: Do- Dawn of Justice, and I would happily rewatch Nick Fury again than that movie because it's the only <laughs> film I've ever actually like. Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice gave me tr- genuinely gave me a headache, and I, every time I watch it, I constantly get this weird migraine. because yeah, you, wa- you wanted it to be you darker,
2: you wanted more gray tones. That's why it gave you a headache.
1: Yeah, I needed more gray tones and more uh, dour. Movie. how many times have you watched it every I've seen time it, i've seen it twice and I've, I've, I've felt really bad every time like physically ill every time i see it <laughs> I, I think third time's the
0: charm so give uh, it one I'm, more shot no,
1: no i'm done watching it but I, I genuinely would like recommend this over uh donna justice and those are both goyer properties they're not properties but scripts oh uh, you know what i'm
0: thinking about right now now that we're talking about goyer properties do you think that little piece at the end where he's talking about d- can Hyder exist if Shield doesn't exist? Do you think that's a precursor to when Batman wonders if uh, the Joker would exist if he didn't exist? Do you think that's where he like he p- he pulled that right out of the Nick Fury script and moved it over <laughs> to the Batman script? I mean, it's I wouldn't be
2: surprised. It's just something you've seen in comics constantly. Like it's not like a, an original idea by any means. It was just funny a David
0: Esquire original idea. It's
2: just it's funny how they're uh, as you mentioned it, how they've handled in this where it's like. Could it be? Ah, let's not even talk about it. You're not here for that. You're here for the cigar chomping.
0: He should have kept the cigars in his eye socket and like flip his eye up and there's like a bunch of cigars and he pulls one out and then closes it. I assume in
2: other episodes.
1: Yeah, if this existed as a, as a, like a long running series, it would have been great to constantly have his third act way out of it. Just pull something. Like, he uses it like a purse or a backpack. His <laughs> eye patch is just like, got, it's filled with things that will get him out of trouble.
0: <laughs> Who's the guy who runs the Marvel Universe now?
1: Uh, it's uh, uh, Kevin Feige Is that his name? Yeah, Kevin Feige Kevin
0: Figue. If you're listening, let us make the Nick Fury movie. <laughs> <laughs> Samuel Jackson will constantly be using his eye socket as a backpack. At the end, you find <laughs> out it's just one of these robots, and we will bring into canon that uh, his dad is <laughs> David Hasselhoff. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it'd be great to see Samuel Jackson be like, hey, we got you a light, uh, LMD, Life Model Decoy, and it's the David Hasselhoff one. <laughs> like, this doesn't look like me at all. <laughs> I just
0: want a scene where he, like, he walks into a room and, like, someone's sitting in a chair smoking a cigar and he's just like, dad, and it turns around and it's, like, David Hasselhoff, yeah. and they're both the same age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, such a great movie, you guys. All right. Well, Kaveh, thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, thank you. It's been lots of fun. I hope that I hope this was everything you hoped it would be. <laughs> All my dreams have come true. (laughs) And listener, if you have anything you want to tell us, uh, you can email us at continuumdrag at gmail.com. We've been getting a lot of great feedback on some of our more recent stuff. People have been emailing in about Super Train, about Steel Collar Man, uh, Colchak. People are loving it. People Mm -hmm. are loving what we're doing, Jordan. Yeah. You don't believe it. (laughs) I'm always amazed when someone emails in. (laughs) You guys, if you just want to shock Jordan, just send him (laughs) an email. It blows his mind every time. He's like... Where did this technology come from? <laughs> and of course, on Instagram and Twitter, the handle there is at Continuum Drag. We'll, uh, we'll have some clips from this. Life model decoys, electro guns, uh, Nazi in a wheelchair falling down a set of stairs, maybe. Oh, we, uh, some, uh, a lot of uh, uh, hairspray related technology. <laughs> yeah, well, hairspray related technology. It'll all be there. Um, but that about wraps it up. So, uh, listener, thank you for joining us. And, Jordan, I will see you next week. See you then.
2: Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rex Seidler. Produced by Jordan Dulloch and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Yunes.